Whether you've tuned in for the radio show or the real estate business, you're in for one heck of a show. My dad pays me to say that. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 297 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about Jennifer Aniston, and guess who she's not friends with anymore? We'll get to that. Yeah, also, uh, Richard Sherman. Some more information about guns, about a gun dealer, about his wife, about his family, and really about a young man uh, who has found himself in a place where he really needs help and has been crying out. So we're going to do an update on that, talk about mental health a little bit, because that's also uh, been in the Olympics. Is By the time you hear this, the Olympics will have wound down, but a lot of people talking about mental health. Before we get to all that, though... Uh, let's get to this. Uh, I just went on a trip to see my mom. And before I talk about why I went to see my mom, uh, Uncle Ron over here, Mr. Ron, took care of Charlie the dog. I did. How did it go with Charlie the dog? And thanks for sending all the pictures. My son was very worried about him. And he was worried. He was seriously worried that Charlie was going to be too much for you. He's like, Daddy, oh, really? Charlie's just going to be too much. He's going to be jumping all over Mr. Ron. Then he's going to jump in bed. And Mr. Ron's not going to be able to sleep. So I said, you know, I think Mr. Ron can handle his own. He's pretty good with dogs, but I, I will I will check in with him. So how did it go with Charlie the dog? And and, and thanks for watching him while we were going. Uh, you're welcome. He is a really a great dog. Is like, I've owned a lot of dogs in my life. Uh, most of my recent dogs have been outdoor dogs. Like my dogs growing up were indoor dogs. But yeah. uh, at the time when I was lived out in, in uh, Auburn and Maple Valley and that stuff, we had three dogs. So like I was not going to allow three dogs in the house at the same time. So we had, I built the dog Mahal. It was like a Tacode dog house with a metal roof and insulated walls and the heater and the whole thing. So the dogs lived, had their own living quarters. Uh, they didn't live inside the house. So um, it's been a long time, a lot of years since I had an inside dog. Charlie's a, he's a great dog. Two, two, two things that I think oh. are popping up. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, number one, is he's a great sleeper on the bed. I think you should reassess whether or not you allow him to sleep on the bed. Because mm. he parks right there. He doesn't keep you up. Like, he sort of just chills on the bed. He's a good bed sleeper. And then the second thing, and I think this is a, an owner training issue, when Charlie uh, goes out to handle his business in the morning, he almost every time pees on the back of his front leg. Oh, really? And so I don't know if you notice that or huh. if you care, but he has horrible aim. Huh. And so I'm pretty sure that's your responsibility. How do you fix the to aim? teach him how to aim? Because I was almost daily wiping off the back of his front leg oh. uh, into a, a damp paper towel oh. that uh, came off exceedingly yellow. Yeah. He, just, he just goes right on the back of his front leg. Huh. I don't know, he doesn't feel it. doesn't bother him. Uh, like the whole stream is right there. He doesn't aim off to the side. I, I tried to do a little, uh, you know, coaching while it's happening, but like he's been reared to this point with an owner that didn't care 
if uh, where his aim was. No, that's because he always goes in Mr. Kevin's bushes next door. Like he likes the feeling of the bushes under him. Or when we go to Discovery Park, he finds the long, tall grass or out in front, the long, tall flowers. So were, were you were you taking him in long, tall grass? Were you taking him in long, tall flowers? Did you let him go you in to Mr. my house? Did you let him go in Mr. Kevin's bushes next door? I did not because, drive him over here to go to Mr. Kevin's bushes. Yeah, that, 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 that's what he's used to. Uh, so the fact that you just, uh, and, and I said, you could come over here, you could stay over here, do what's best for Charlie. It sounds like you did what's best for you. Uh, I'm not staying in <laughs> someone else's house. That's weird. <laughs> no desire. I have my own house, my own dishes, my own uh, silverware. If it was a hundred degrees, I bet you would have stayed. Oh, over it there. was my house is so hot. I need to get a, a <laughs> yeah. mini split. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fun, fun dog. It was good. I, it made me realize that I don't want a dog right now. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm in condo living. I yeah. mean, it was nice to have a dog around, but in the back of your head, you know, you need to get home and feed the dog and walk the dog, and like it's a lot of responsibility, which I obviously knew. Yeah, uh, and because I've had dogs, but like I, there was there's parts of me that got used to just being able to like leave at any time and yeah. go do whatever I want. It's it's fun coming over here and visiting Charlie. So right, I like to visit Charlie and do the the you know two days at a time situation. I had to go through therapy when I got Charlie because I knew that a lot of it would be even though it was Gunner's dog, it would be me doing a lot of taking care of Charlie. Uh, so I really I really talked through that before Santa dropped Charlie off because I knew exactly what you're talking about. The reason he doesn't sleep in my bed is. There, there, we kind of have a pecking order here, and Charlie had a. He, he, sometimes he forgets the pecking order. He thinks it's me, him, and then Gunner. And so the only time he's allowed on furniture is when Gunner's around. And the only time Charlie gets in my bed is one time a week because I have this huge, cool bed, and we'll have a movie night, and we'll all jump in the bed, and we'll eat popcorn, and we'll kind of have fun and pillow fights and all that. And so th- then Charlie's allowed in. How but, often do you talk to uh, Charlie? I talk to him a, a, a lot of times when we're running. I'll, 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 I'll what talk kind to of him. conversations do you have? What do you mean? Uh, are you, do you like do you tell him stuff about yourself, or are you just no, like no. checking in on him? Yeah, I just check in on him. Yeah, right. are you are you having I long mean, personal you deep would, conversations? You'd with Charlie? be like, Charlie, it's been one of those days, man. Like, because <laughs> he's, he's right there, he's looking at you, and you're just like, <laughs> was he a good? Oh my god! Like <laughs> this this situation happened, and yeah, I would have it. Like it wasn't an extended conversation, yeah. but like at the end of the day, or okay. when someone did, when I'd have an interaction, I'd be like, you believe this guy? Like yeah. I would look at Charlie. You believe this dude? Like, so what's going on with him? All right. So you so you thought Charlie was a good listener. Oh, he's a very good listener. He was. Very oh. good listener. Okay. Anyway. Hey, I want to thank everyone that uh reached out in my the reason one of the reasons I went to New Mexico and I shared this on my Facebook channel. It's been five hundred and ninety two days since uh we saw my mom. And something that we did, because I was really concerned about just staying connected with her and her mental health, my mental mental health, Gunner's mental health. We did, we did something that was really helpful, you guys. I, I talked to my mom almost every day. And then one time a week, Gunnar, I, and Charlie, we would go up to the top of Queen Anne Mountain. We'd have this walk that we would do because uh, we want to keep Charlie socialized with other dogs and animals and humans, which uh, I know is very important. And then uh, so we have this circuit, and then we stop, and we order a pizza, and I'd order a salad from Zeke's Pizza. And then we come back, and my mom would make dinner in New Mexico, and then we have these family, family candles that we light from when my little sister passed away, which is kind of symbolic. And when we miss her, we, we light this candle and everybody in the family has one of these candles. And then we just jump on Zoom and we would have dinner for maybe an hour, hour and a half. And we would just kind of visit 
And through the course of that, the bond between my little boy and my mom is really extraordinary and something kind of beautiful to watch. And every once in a while, I would just kind of walk away and I would just let them talk. And he would talk about uh, playing his trumpet and and becoming a, a certified diver and some of the things he's going on at school and what it was like, uh, uh, some of the challenges of being a dog owner with Charlie. So they had this they they had this really beautiful connection. And what my son would do over the course of the year is especially when he felt like my mom was sad because she was very isolated. She lives alone in, in New Mexico and she's a breast cancer survivor. So so she was very concerned as, as she should be. And we were all concerned about giving her COVID. So that's one of the reasons why we stayed away uh, until we were vaccinated. And, 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 and then we found out there was a reoccurrence recently in her breast cancer and I'm vaccinated. And so I felt like, hey, it's time to go home, see mom. Because uh, she was going to have a surgery. So we went home. And before we left, my son said, Daddy, uh, can I bring my trumpet? And there's an old part of me that immediately said no. Because I knew that I would have to carry the trumpet. And I did not want to carry the trumpet through the airport all the way to New Mexico. So I made him a deal. I said, we can take the trumpet. Uh, but you have to carry the trumpet. You have to carry the trumpet through the old, the, the whole airport. And he said, you got a deal. So, uh, how many times did you lose the trumpet? I had, we only lost it once. Uh, we lost it. At, we lost it at Hudson's one time. He put it down cause we wanted to go in there and get a nice keto medley mix and a couple magazines. Uh, and we left it and he turned around and went and grabbed it. And the cool thing was he was bound and determined to take this trumpet. And I didn't even know why he wanted to take the trumpet. And then when we got there, uh, my mom had some surgery. She came home from the hospital uh, and we think that the surgery was a success as far as her cancer goes. And, and, and so anyway, we were just, we were hanging out with her, loving on her. And, and, and so my son one night pulled out his trumpet and he started playing, uh, the legend of Zelda theme nice. for my mom, which he had been uh, playing online. And it was really, it was really a beautiful moment, uh, between the two of those, which, which, which I really appreciated. So anyway, thanks for taking care of Charlie. That's where we've been. That's what we were doing. My mom's going to find out today, uh, if her margins were good or not. And we think they are. And, uh, we think she'll uh, be a, a, a breast cancer survivor, now two times she had breast cancer over 20 years ago I remember. it's one of the reasons why uh we as a morning show r- rode our bikes across america to raise money uh, for women with breast cancer and then to have a reoccurrence and to see just at her age at 78 you you get to that age where you have lost your parents uh her sister has dementia she's lost many of her best friends uh she's lost neighbors uh she's lost her daughter uh, she has lost both her husbands now have have passed away and and to see her deal with loss um and and how brave she is and 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 this is the thing that will always stick with me because she because she raised my myself and and three other kids and our dog duchess mostly alone uh and people always talk about the glass being half full or half empty and with my mother the glass is just always full it's completely full and that's the thing that I appreciate so much about my mother, Virginia, who will tell you in a very friendly fashion to call her Jenny, as in gin bottle. So uh, she always says that. So anyway, our love to Jenny, as in gin bottle. Uh, and thanks for your prayers and your thoughts. And thanks for looking out for our real estate business. And You and left out the uh, one of the most important things. What's that? When your son was leaving, 
he said that he would have Mexican food for me, including sopapillas. He did. And I need to, I have been waiting on this report. <laughs> and leave it out. Did you have some New Mexican food with yeah. sopapillas? Well, you know what? We touched down. We did a little boating yesterday with our friend Peter. We went out on the water. And then uh, he's off to Michigan today. So uh, we took him to Michigan. He, well, I didn't take him to Michigan. I, I uh, got him going to Michigan this morning. So he'll be gone for a couple weeks. When he comes back, he can give you the report. But I will say that that at some point, he, my mother actually introduced him to the soap. Oh, no, he hadn't he, had those before? No, he asked her about it because you had talked about it. And he was very, very interested. And then the honey came out and he wasn't sure. So... Uh, for those that don't know, what is it? What is this? I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> don't look it up yourself. <laughs> yeah, we had some sopapillas at El Pinto's and at uh, Monroe's. So we'll see you on the other side of it. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options like here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house i've bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life don's listening skills were um superior don came with ron he was incredibly well prepared they were just really impressive and the things that they outlined that they were were going to provide their services were it just made it easy it was a lay down and so we put it on the market on saturday there was a lot of interest they made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate, and they, they were just honest and straightforward, and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Please hit subscribe on your podcast player. We'd also love if you gave us a review. Now let's get back to building Ted. I mean Laverne and Shirley. No, seriously, it's R&D and with me, that's three. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Again, live from the Les Schwab Studios. You just heard we're licensed brokers at Windermere. It's interesting. We did a sit down this morning uh, with a young lady by the name of Gretchen, and we just sold her house, Gretchen and Byron's house uh, up in Everett. And they're moving to another part of the state. And she had called us. In fact, she, I, I just sent her a, a, a text last night because I really fell in love with Gretchen and Byron. They knew us through the radio. We've become uh, good friends now. And I just said, hey, I'm just checking in. I miss you guys. How are things going? Because I knew they were taking the money uh, from their home up at Everett and they were house shopping. 
And she said, you know, uh, she goes, I really miss you too. Not as a person, but just as realtors, uh, because you guys are full time and you're so involved in the process. And I felt really listened to. And she said, with my realtor right now, I don't feel listened to. So anyway, we had a sit down with her this morning, not as realtors, just as friends. And we just said, hey, th- 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 this is maybe some of the things that you could suggest to your realtor as far as being able to help you but at the end of the day it was just really cool to reconnect not because of a a transaction but because that transaction has now created a real world friendship uh, with her so anyway for a lot of realtors out there it's the transaction for us yeah the transaction is important because it's important to you but at the end of the day being able to help the run and don nation and for us to work together uh, it's been a really cool thing and we're very appreciative for that so thanks you guys hey number of years ago i had made some decisions uh in my life uh to really take a look at how much i was drinking to really take a look at my diet, to take a look at how I was taking care of myself, or maybe I wasn't. Uh, I was very concerned that I was an older dad. And because I was an older dad, uh, it made me really begin to make some life decisions that have been life-changing. And a lot of that just has to do with having a baby boy and and realizing that, hey, I'm a single parent, I'm in in the deep end of the pool, and I don't know what I'm doing. The person that was really helpful to me in getting help is the guy that's sitting over here behind another microphone. And he said, hey, I talked to somebody. She deals with a lot of athletes. Uh, She also deals with a lot of public figures. And he said, maybe you should sit down and talk with her because sometimes as a public figure, there's pressure that you may be feeling that maybe other psychologists uh, and therapists wouldn't understand. And she had also been the the Seahawks therapist for, I think, the past 15 years. So um, so I sat down with Priscilla, I think it'll be four years ago now, this fall. It's been life-changing uh, for me. And I have to say, uh, it is really something when you get to mid-age and you sit down with somebody. And I've shared this before. Priscilla told me is, hey, I'm going to make $180 an hour either way. So you can either tell me what's really going on. And we can work together or uh, you can just come in here like some people do sometimes and just try to bamboozle me. And if you think you're bamboozling me, that's fine. You can bamboozle me and I'll still take your $180. So I decided not to bamboozle, to really begin to be truthful and to enter areas of my life that I've never entered before. So when I open this closet door, get ready for an avalanche. (laughs) It's all coming out. I mean, yeah. it's been boarded up for years. But I, t- I, 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 I tell you what, she explained it like this. She said, you know what we're going to begin to do? And she said, in some ways, I'm a wound doctor. And we're going to go in and we're going to look at some of the wounds in your life that have never healed. And she, she said, we're going to pick away at them. And when we pick away at them, they're going to bleed. And when they bleed, it's going to hurt. And when it hurts, you're going to cry. And when you cry, you're going to be crushed. And she said, that's where the work begins. That's where the journey begins. It reminds me a lot of what I'm reading right now. And some of this I wish I wasn't reading in the Seattle Times about Richard Sherman, because I have to say there's things that I have shared with Priscilla as a public figure that I wouldn't want anyone to know. I wouldn't want Ron to know. I wouldn't want you to know. Uh, I wouldn't want this to leak out in some court documents. So my heart breaks a little bit when I see the mental struggle uh, that he is facing right now. And then it's all on the front page 
of the Seattle Times. Nonetheless, it's on the front page of the Seattle Times. I think there is something to learn here, uh, Ron, and we're learning today that Richard has been struggling for a while, right? Yeah, we have. And I do. I want to preface this with two things. We're going we're to talk a little bit about this. Uh, if you're triggered by uh, suicide, fair warning, uh, that's going to come up in this conversation. But I also want to highlight before I even start down that road, Richard Sherman, I just saw a post on his social media uh, where he hiked up to the top of Rattlesnake Ridge overlooking uh, the lake, and he turned the camera and there was some, you know, he was expressing some gratitude uh, to be up and look at that beautiful view. He turned the camera, and there next to him uh, that had hiked up was uh, one Mr. Doug Baldwin and one Mr. Javon Curse. Mm. And so I that made me happy in the sense of he's not isolated. Yeah. He's got some battle buddies mm. that have rallied around him, and they're doing healthy things like going on a hike and looking out a rattlesnake ridge to the lake below and appreciating uh, the beauty of the natural world. So that made me happy because when you read these documents that came out today, uh, Richard Sherman was expressing thoughts of taking his own life and his wife, give her a lot of credit, um, removed the weapons from their house. He, he had licensed weapons as he's entitled to do as an American citizen, those weapons were removed by his wife. She got an emergency protective order, which we talked about for years when we were on terrestrial radio of, uh, and that, that legislation evolved and it was opposed by the NRA tooth and nail uh, to say, Hey, when there's a, a mental health situation uh, or in a substance abuse situation, or there's been domestic violence, can family members intervene and remove weapons? And um, that's what happened in there. And uh, this story also says that Richard reached out, tried to acquire more weapons. And there was a gun dealer that saw the paperwork had been filed and did not sell him uh, a new weapon. Uh, so some of the stuff in the system worked right. Of course, he made some bad choices there that we've talked about in previous episodes, if you want to get our reaction to when it just happened. But I had a, a tremendous amount of empathy because you and I have been around a lot of NFL players, and you begin to... Your storyline that you craft is part of your bargaining chip as an entity to get hired and paid tens of millions of dollars. And the storyline that Richard had crafted with his agent uh, was kid from Compton who should have been involved, you know, should have succumbed to drugs and to gangs, overcame that. His dad was a garbage man. His mom was the mom of the neighborhood. Overcame that. Very smart. Makes it to Stanford. Becomes a standout. You know, has this, takes off like a rocket as an underdog, drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, then becomes the best corner in the league. And he had all these elaborate marketing materials made when his contract was up with the Supersonics that codified this myth. And I'm calling it a myth. The mythology of Richard Sherman. And made him... You know, framed him up as one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. So at a certain point, I think that Richard Sherman, you know, he's invested in this myth. So he becomes the head of the Players Association. And everybody uniformly in the league is like, he's a, he's a very intelligent guy. Look at his pedigree. Stanford guy, knows what he's doing. Very, you know, he can talk in front of a podium. Very persuasive. He's very charismatic. Uh, backs it up on the field. like So this this mythology takes on a life of its own. 
Now, all of a sudden, you're not on your first contract or your second contract or your third contract. It's time to be on your fourth contract. Uh, and the San Francisco is sort of like, hey, you're not the best in the league anymore. Your mythology doesn't matter to us anymore. I know you're from the, you know, a little bit south of the Bay. You're from California. He's not from the Bay Area, from SoCal. But you're a California kid. We get it. We don't really want you anymore. So now he has to do what you just talked about. Look in the mirror and go, wow, I always believed this thing about me. I believe this story. Now that's not true anymore. What do I do? Or maybe it's crumbling. Or maybe whatever it is. Maybe I'm leaning on the bottle too much. Maybe my marriage isn't exactly what I thought it would be. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe I pictured myself as a Hall of Famer. And maybe I feel like that's not going to happen anymore. Whatever the whatever the end of the story was for him is now not happening the way he wanted it to happen. And this was a guy that by sheer force of will and personality made everything happen to this point. He did overcome tremendous odds. He did go to Stanford. He did get drafted in the NFL. He did turn himself into a one of the best corners in the league. He did get the huge contract. He did win a Super Bowl. So like everything that he, you put in front of him, he knocked it down. And now there are things popping up that he can't knock down anymore with the same ease. He can't get up off the field with the same bounce that he used to have back in the day. He's had some injuries. He's had some setbacks. He's had some difficulties off the field. And so I still do not excuse the very poor decisions that he made on that night where he was arrested. But I have a lot of empathy with him because we've, we've, we've been around those guys a lot. And I remember when Tim Brown, who is in the Hall of Fame, was coming to the end of his career. It was, it was, we weren't personal friends, but we'd hung out quite a bit. Um, it was, we did his radio show. We did his radio show. Yeah. We did the touchdown Tim Brown uh, radio show for those. That was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, we were around, um, guys that lost their contract. I remember John Ritchie starting fullback. He used to come over to my flat and we played guitar together. We recorded some songs together. I wish I still had them because it was kind of funny when he got cut. That was rough. You know, he, he, he was like, I'm an NFL fullback. Like, this is my gravy train. Like I'm here. I, here I go. Like I'm going to be a pro bowler. And instead he got cut And and the whole narrative of his, he had just bought this big house up in the Oakland Hills. Like he bought a brand new Escalade and I razzed him. So I said, you told me when you were a rookie that you weren't going to be the guy that bought a black on black Escalade. And he chuckled. And he's like, I remember telling you that as he drove away in his black on black Escalade with custom wheels. And it's hard for these guys. Cause you have to have a, a psyche that says I'm invincible. I can th- hurl my body as fast as I can go, as hard as I can go into another human being and bounce back up. You have to believe in that. And Richard Sherman is having problems bouncing back. Up. And you get paid a lot of money and stadiums cheer for you. Right. And I think, um, you know, one of, one of the things that you learn when you decide to really take a look at yourself is if you have spent a lot of your life where things have been really structured, what's really hard is when the structure of that goes away. Uh, when, when we left Terrestrial Radio, I knew that would be a great challenge for me because Terrestrial Radio means every day you have to go in there and perform for four hours. And to perform for four hours, it means you have to prepare 
eight, nine, ten hours to perform for four. And and so and so you have this schedule that's set for you every day, and all of a sudden that set schedule is gone. And in his case, I mean, in the NFL, it is you you have this incredible schedule from the time you wake up in the morning at five a.m. to the time you go to bed and you're watching tape at night. So when that life and that lifestyle goes away, if you haven't shifted to decide kind of what the next thing is going to be, and you begin to focus on that then that's when you can find yourself uh, in a lot of trouble. Doug Baldwin knew that when he pulled out, he was building a home here. He knew that he was going to stay here. I think you'll see him become a politician in the next year or two. He decided he wanted to be a part of police reform. He wanted to go back to school uh, and that he wanted to be a dad and start a family. And so that created a lot of structure for him. For a lot of these guys, they get to the point where they get cut or they're no longer wanted, and it happens like that, especially when they get on the other side of 30. And I think Richard's 33 now. Uh, All of a sudden, that structure has gone away, and you find yourself, those are the guys that get up in the morning, you start drinking vodka in the shower, and then the wheels come off from there. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist on the Ron and Don team. I would love to help you buy you your next home. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 297. As you just heard, again, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. We'd love to help you. If you want one of our buyer's playbooks or seller's playbooks, or you just want to sit down with us like Gretchen and Byron did, all you have to do is reach out. Right, Ron, Ron at Windermere.com, and our website is ronanddonsitdown.com. I was kind of amazed as I was back in, in New Mexico, uh, there are stores now, and, and we actually went out to an outlet mall. And for some of the national chains that we walked into, uh, like we walked into GameStop, and you couldn't walk into GameStop if you didn't have a mask on. And most of the people in the mall didn't have a mask on. So if you went in there and you're going to spend money, you would have to ask for a mask, which they would provide. It, it was kind of interesting to watch, what, what especially young kids that work in these stores, what they have to go through when they have to enforce the mask mandate. And sometimes the, the mandate isn't from the state. In this case, it was just from GameStop. Their board decided GameStop's all over the country. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna mask up here, and I think we're gonna see more of that as we as we head into the fall. What's really disgusting, though, is you see people get on planes, and I mean, just and, and I hadn't flown in five hundred and ninety two days or whatever it was, a, a year and a half. So to get on a plane. And you know from the time you get in your Uber, because when you get in your Uber, you have to have a mask on now. And then from the time you get out of the Uber and you 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 walk into the airport, you have to have a mask on. You have to. And it's been this way. It hasn't changed. And, and from the time you go to the airport, anywhere in the airport, security, everything else, you have to have a mask on. And everywhere you go, there's hand sanitizer. If you need a mask, uh, they'll get you a mask. And then when you sit down at the airport and you're waiting to get on the plane, you have to have a mask on. And then when you're you're standing in line to get on the plane, you have to have a mask on. I don't understand. And I saw this happen twice. People sit down in their seat and uh, and then they get into an argument with the flight attendant and they're now going to have it out with the flight attendant. And usually there are a couple pops in. So the flight attendant has already been nice and kind and served them. And they, they've had their peanuts and you can pull your mask down and they've had a few drinks. 
And now the flight attendant is going to come over and reinforce the mask mandate. And now you're going to sit. And and again, I saw it twice and it's heartbreaking. You're going to push back on the flight attendant who has been nice to you, who's been kind to you, who's made sure that you're safe, that you got your adult beverage. And now when she or he comes up to you and says, hey, we need you to go ahead and put your mask back on. And now you're going to fight. And now there's going to be the possibility of the captain has to get involved or other. We, we, we saw just last week, a guy had to be taped in his chair. This is happening multiple times. Do you know just last month, there were 3,326 incidents on American flight planes where people are pushing back and they're like, well, I don't want to wear my mask. There were, there were five, five high schoolers who just decided by the time they got on that plane that they weren't going to wear their mask anymore. And they had to turn around the plane, go land it. And those kids uh, faced authorities and, and, and they faced the fact that they were going to be arrested. I don't get that. I don't understand that. I'm reading so many stories now about people that didn't get the vaccine Uh, especially the dad with five kids and the kids are standing on the other side of the glass and they're watching their dad die. And his final words are, he texts him to his wife, I should have got the GD uh, vaccine. Jennifer Aniston has come out and said, I am not your friend anymore if you don't get the vaccine. So if you're in my life and we go to the gym together, we go yoga together, we have dinner together, uh, I don't know, maybe I come and I get my hair styled, whatever it is, whatever it's about, If you don't embrace the vaccine, I no longer embrace you. Your thoughts on on Jennifer's stance? I I applaud all of these. Any measure you give to me that is pro-science and vaccine, I'm on board with. I'm with you. My my reading now has gone into like trying to understand cognitive dissonance, trying to understand like even when you think of – of conspiracy theories and people that fall for grifters. There's a, a great book by uh, Maria Konnikova, I believe is her name, who's a, a journalist, and she studies like grifters and con men and conspiracy theories and like how why, how the brain falls for these things. So I've been trying to read up on that because it, it now it's turned into a pathology. Now it's turned into something that is disconnected from reality. This is now QAnon territory of, of it doesn't matter what anybody says, I'm going to behave however the hell I want. And so it's very, very selective. You're right. We've all with the, the video of the guy that uh, is exclaiming that his parents are worth more than 2 million GD dollars, which I don't. In Miami is not that much. The 22-year-old kid that was on the plane. Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of people that are worth $2 million. <laughs> I don't think that really... There's probably 10 people on your plane that are worth more than $2 million. Yeah. $2 billion? Maybe you have a right to yell at somebody. Or maybe I'm, I'm The kid that didn't want to put his, put his mask on and push back. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I duct tape everybody that's doing that to a chair. Like, I, I really... It's 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 sad to me, and I have people in my life that are not vaccinated, and if they got very sick and or died, I would be quite sad because I've tried to say, hey, get vaccinated, but it, it's this weird. It's it's weird. It's unhealthy. It's unpatriotic. Uh, it's everything that every adjective you can throw at it. Yeah, think about this, uh, and we'll just end on this. You you see the re- the UK now who had a, lots of problems with the Delta variant. And we have a client by the name of Ollie that just flew back there to get married to Emmy, 
right? They came here, they bought a house, and then they're going back to get married. And I said, what is it like back there? And he said, you know, the Delta variant has dissipated. I said, why is that? He said, because 88% of the people there are vaccinated. The vaccine works. It just does. 88% of the people are vaccinated. So, and, and here in the States, we just reached the point where President Biden has wanted us to be, I think for the past couple months, of at least 70% of adults with at least one shot, but only 60% of all adults, uh, adults are vaccinated. And it's pretty hard to get to herd immunity. And what really makes me angry is what it does is it gives this virus then time to mutate, change, and figure out another way to go after my kid. And that's the thing that begins to really bother me because at some point it's going to come after our children if we don't reach herd immunity. Well, and the crazy thing beyond what we've already said is when they poll people, if you're a, a Democrat that has been received both shots, that person is more likely to wear a mask than a Republican with zero shots, and they're not even worried about it. So, and I throw in the, the political affiliation because that was in the study. So think about that for a second. A Democrat with both shots, fully vaccinated, hears about the Delta virus. They are more likely to be concerned and to wear a mask in public versus an unvaccinated Republican not even worried about it and refuses to wear the mask. Yeah. Who's going to die in that situation? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> we'll leave it on that high note. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Happy Monday. <laughs> anyway. Hey, you guys, thanks for coming by and uh, check it out. Episode 297. Thanks for giving us a five-star review and, and writing something very kind. We appreciate that. And that helps us share the show. Also, thanks for going to ronadonsitdown.com because you know this real estate business is a referral business. And we still have to earn your business. Just because you know us and you like us and we, you think we're nice and we love you too, it doesn't mean that we're not going to get out there and be the best agents that money can buy. And we really are. We are... Uh, going to go to work on your behalf, not just at tuning up your home or finding a home for you, but the follow through and the paperwork and the contract. It is so involved and it can get so expensive if you haven't done your due diligence. It's one of the reasons why 87% of all agents, they wipe out in this business. We're so. basically selling Sunset without everything on that shelf. <laughs> Head up, shoulders back, you guys. We'll see you for episode 298 on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs>